welcome to this pre-recorded worship service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida for August 9th, 2020. We are so glad that you have joined us. We hope and pray that this service allows you to draw close to God, that you might feel God's spirit as we worship together, though physically apart. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to God's word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Thank you. 
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all his creation. Relying on God's grace and compassion, we pray our, con our confession together. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious to all his gracious in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all those who call him. The Lord is near to those who call him in truth. The Lord has heard us calling and praying and has granted us what we asked. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Oh, Jesus. 
As forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we have come to a place of greeting one another and passing the peace of the Lord to one another. We have a great treat today, and let's hear the passing of the peace from the four-legged members of the church. Peace. to worship. We are delighted that you are here with us today. I've got just a couple of announcements about life at Church of the Palms. And first is that we would like to invite you to join us for a discussion on the movie Selma. We will be gathering via Zoom. So you would go to our website and click on that registration so a Zoom invitation could be sent to you. Watch the movie and then join us for a conversation on Monday, August 17th at 6 o'clock. And while you're on our website, maybe you want to sign up so you could volunteer at the food pantry or even sign up for the sermon discussion that happens every Monday morning at 10 a.m. with the preaching pastor. Well, we're at that time of the year where we're beginning to receive names who are interested in serving either as an elder or a deacon or a shepherding deacon. You'll find the nominations form on the website and we would encourage you to click on that form, read those descriptions, and then pray about those positions to see if perhaps they might be calling you or someone you know. And then you could fill out that form and send it in the deadline is August 23rd, and it is such an important role to play in the life of our church. So we hope that you will consider one of those positions. Well, we are excited to invite you to the first and only 
drive through fall kickoff that is August 30th from 11 until 12:30. We are going to ask you to come in blocks of half hour based on the first letter of your last name. So A through G, if you could come from 11 to 11.30, H through M, 11.30 till noon, N through Z, 12 to 12.30. This will help us to work with the flow of the traffic and that we can ultimately serve you better. Well, here's a sneak peek of what's gonna be happening. The theme is fruit of the spirit. So we want every one of you to wear a mask and get creative and come up with your best creation for a fruit of the spirit mask. Even if it's not fruit of the spirit, we'll accept the mask because we're going to be face to face with you and we can't wait. You won't be out of your cars, but your windows will be down. And so we'll want to be wearing masks to be safe. And here's what you're going to be doing. You'll go to one of nine, well, actually all nine stations, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And at each station, you will get something from a pastor or from the preschool director or from the youth or from another church staff member. We can't wait to see you. Mark your calendar. It's going to be a great day. Well, our August memory verse is here. And it's a challenge. Um, it comes from the Sermon on the Mount. So it is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. I don't have it memorized yet, but I'm starting to work on it. So look it up in your Bible. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let us now continue our worship. This is a prayer by Nadia Boltz Weber. I do not know when we can gather together again in worship, Lord. So for now, I just ask that when I sing along in my kitchen to each song on Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life album, that it be counted as praise. And that when I read the news and my heart tightens in my chest, may it be counted as Kyrie. And that when my eyes brighten in a smile behind my mask as I thank the cashier, may it be counted as passing the peace. And that when I water my plants and wash my dishes and take a shower, may it be counted as remembering my baptism. And that when the tears come and my shoulders shake and my breathing falters, may it be counted as prayer. And that when I stumble upon a Tabitha Brown video and hear her grace and love of you, may it be counted as hearing a homily. And that as I sit at that table in my apartment and eat one more homemade meal, slowly, joyfully, with nothing else demanding my time or attention, may it be counted as communion. Amen.
Let us pray. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Almighty God, as we come before you today, we come as always to praise your name and thank you for all our many blessings. Thank you for your unending steadfast love. Thank you that your mercies never come to an end. Please enable us to see them daily. And this morning we lift up those who are sick or hurting in any way. We pray for healing. For families who have lost members, please provide a special comfort. Bless our leaders and give us a heart to do what we need to do to keep ourselves and others safe. Bless our children and give us the wisdom to know how to protect them physically, mentally, and emotionally. Bless our service providers. Bless our teachers regardless of whether they teach remotely or in person. Help parents to navigate the newness and tensions that could come from the disruption to education rhythms. We come to you this morning not seeking answers, but seeking strength and courage for the days ahead. We pray for courage to be the people you have called us to be, people who seek justice and peace through your love for all of your people. We pray for peace at home and abroad. Help us to be more like your son whom you sent to show us how to live. We know that you are the father to us all. We ask you to help us to be change agents in this world. Give us courage to speak out about our faith, to teach those around us about your love for all people, and to lead by example. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and allow your life to be a life of offering. We are so grateful that we have this time of gratitude where we can pause and remember all the benefits of God and know that as we have received so much, so much is required. So during this time of reflection, we encourage you to take note of the giving uh, options on the screen and uh, that you may think how you may wish to contribute to the ministry and mission of Church of the Palms. Let us be in reflection upon our gratitude.
pray. Lord, we long to be faithful givers, following in your footsteps who gave us everything. We pray that your abundance will motivate us more and more to give the kind of gifts that you have blessed us with in order to grace your kingdom with blessing and honor. We thank you for the gifts that you've given us. We give these to you in deep gratitude. In your name we pray. Well, I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. Today, we are in the spiritual practice called worship. In Matthew 4:10, Jesus says, You are to worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Well, you know, when I saw the picture that Pastor Steve had chosen for the bulletin cover and I saw these like cool stack of stones, I started thinking about rocks and worship. And I was thinking, well, what do we know about rocks? Well, obviously they come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. And well, I learned from Sophie, my daughter, she kind of reminded me again that there's three kinds of rocks, that there's igneous and sedimentary and metamorphic. Yeah, and well, sometimes we have rocks and we put symbols on them or words. This one says alive. Sometimes we paint our rocks. This one has a gator on it. But you know, one of my favorite things is when you find a flat rock and you can skip it on the water and you count the number of skips until it sinks. Well, I know you might be wondering, well, what in the world do rocks have to do with worship? It's a good question. And I remembered that story in Luke 19 when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and all of the disciples and this great crowd were joyfully praising his name. They were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And you know, some Pharisees didn't like that very much. And they said to Jesus, hey, teacher, make those disciples shh. And Jesus said, you know what? Even if they were quiet, the stones would still cry out. Well, I can imagine it's pretty hard to think of how a stone could cry out in worship. But all of creation wanted to worship God. But a stone crying out? You know, I suppose it's almost as crazy as a rock floating but I was thinking about God, and I was thinking about how powerful God is. And I was thinking about how much God loves us. And I was thinking about how God is full of grace and so kind and full of mercy. And I was thinking about our great God, and then I got to, it's, it's floating. It's floating. All of creation wants to worship God. And so should we. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we love you. We adore you. We worship you. Amen.
Good morning. My name is Rachel Mallet, and I am currently at the tail end of my six-month-long spring break from College of the Holy Cross. The scripture passage I will be reading today is from the 12th chapter of Genesis, verses 4 through 9. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on by stages towards the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rachel. And it's Good to have you here during your six-month spring break, and we wish you well as you make your way to uh, back to Holy Cross and to continue your education. Well, we are continuing in our series called Living Well and Thinking Through the Various Classical Christian Spiritual Disciplines Through Which We Can Perhaps Center Our Lives More Around the Living Presence of God. And we have been talking about things like prayer and silence and service and meditation and fasting. And we are now today going to be taking a look at the spiritual discipline of worship as we just heard. So to that end, will you please pray with me? By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this past fall, which seems like a million years ago, a bunch of us took pilgrimage together to the Holy Land, and in particular to Israel, the West Bank, and the country of Jordan, pretty much all of the places where the Bible takes place. And one of the stops was at the ancient city of Petra, one of the great wonders of the archaeological world dating back to the 4th century BC. It's one of those places that's hard to describe with so many of its dwellings and facades etched into red rock, accessible only through a long gorge called the Seek. They are, there are lots of things to explore in Petra, including a part of the city called the Monastery, which sits way at the top of a small mountain, accessible only by steps, 900 steps. It's quite a hike and not for the faint of heart. You don't quite appreciate what 900 steps are until you've gone about 300 steps and realize that you haven't gotten even halfway. Your muscles start to burn a bit, your lungs labor to breathe, but it's worth it only if you get to say that you did it and you also get to see another beautiful part of that ancient city. At the very top of the climb, which affords you these spectacular views over the Jordanian mountain ranges, at the summit, on the ground, at our feet, we could see that people had 
preceded us on the climb and left behind these little stone piles that they had built. They had found around flat stones on the ground and each had built a little stone pile, one stone on top of the other, as if to say that they had been there and done that. Sort of like planting a flag on Mount Everest or, or buying the t-shirt at the gift shop. So, of course, we went ahead and did the same thing. We found our little flat stones and we built for ourselves little stone columns that told those who followed us that we had been there and we had done that. Now, unbeknownst maybe to most of us, what we were doing when we had stacked up our little pile of stones was that we were participating in an ancient little ceremony that goes as far back as the Bible. What we were doing were, was raising our Ebenezers. Now, what's an Ebenezer, you ask, and you wouldn't be the first one to ask it. It's a question I get a lot, especially when we sing, as we just did, O come thou fount of every blessing, and we sing that line, Here I raise my Ebenezer. It's a question many asked when they watched or read about the funeral of John Lewis at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. What's an Ebenezer, and what am I doing raising one? Well, an Ebenezer is a stone or a set of stones that a pilgrim raises to give thanks for the journey thus far. A stone or stones that a pilgrim raises to give thanks for the journey thus far. So on top of this mountain overlooking the beautiful Araba Valley in Jordan, we were marking our little spot of gratitude. We were pausing in a particular space and time and giving thanks for coming thus far. We, we were, in a sense, doing the very same thing the great characters in Scripture did in their journeys. In our text this morning that was read by Rachel, we read of how Abram and Sarai, two pilgrims who had earlier heard the voice of God to pick up their stuff and travel from that part of the world that we now know as Iraq and to make their way over to the land of Canaan. And scripture tells us that when they got to where they were going in the heart of Canaan, that Abram built for himself an altar, a little pile of stones likely, such that they served for him as an altar upon which he burned a sacrifice. So as to say to God, thank you. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your traveling mercies. Thank you that I have come thus far. In other words, so far, so good. And then after being there a while, Abram then continues on with his family and arrives in Bethel. And Abram pauses there. And again, he builds a little stone altar and thanks God again for bringing him thus far. So far, so good. When the Israelites cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, Joshua orders 12 men from the 12 tribes to pick out 12 stones from the Jordan River and to stack them as a monument to signify the great passage of their pilgrimage, to rejoice that God had brought them thus far. So far, so good. Later then in the Old Testament, we read about the great judge Samuel himself on a journey pursuing the Philistines, gets to a certain place and scripture says he raised up a stone and called it Ebenezer, which in Hebrew means stone of help, a stone of gratitude in thanksgiving. Thus far, Samuel says, the Lord has helped us so far, so good. Here I raise my Ebenezer, we sing, hither by thy help I'm come and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. 
So to raise an Ebenezer is to pause at any place, at any time in the journey of our lives, to raise up to God praise and thanksgiving, and to feel his presence, and to know that we have come thus far, so far, and yes, so good. Now to raise an Ebenezer is not to say that the journey has been easy or that the journey has not had its detours or that the journey hasn't had its pitfalls or that the journey has not made us question even the journey itself. Lord knows in the Bible there isn't a journey that hasn't been met with some obstacles, disappointments, and despairs. But there comes a time when as we journey and even though the journey has been a mixed bag, there comes a time of place and pause when nevertheless we raise up our Ebenezers, we raise up our spirits, we raise up our hearts, our minds, our souls, and we give thanks to God that we've come thus far, that despite the mixed bag, there is this fundamental goodness to life. There is this fundamental grace to having come thus far, so far, so good, though through many dangers, toils, and snares, John Newton wrote in his great hymn, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Which I suppose is the controlling principle behind this great discipline of worship. Worship is that place and time of pause when we raise our minds, our hearts, our souls, and we give thanks that by hook or by crook we've come thus far. And we look back and we think about all the steps up the mountain. And we think of all the people who helped. And we think even of all the people who got in the way. And still here we are. That life at its foundations and life at its beginnings is so fundamentally good, so far, so good. Not unlike, I suppose, those pilgrims of long ago who took on that perilous journey across the Atlantic Ocean seeking religious freedom, and there wasn't a whole lot of good about that voyage, and, and there were a few who didn't even survive it. But when land is spotted and Plymouth Rock is moored, old senior elder William Brewster gathers the people and leads them in the old 100th Psalm 100, all people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice, him serve with mirth portent his praise. Come ye before him and rejoice. Maybe it's these pilgrims of the Bible and pilgrims of our heritage that remind us of the great discipline of worship, that worship is so much more than just gathering in the great sanctuary. And oh, how much we miss gathering in the great sanctuary. How much we miss the beautiful stained glass windows and the reverberations of the organ and the faces of the people and the handshakes and the hugs and the smiles. And we're tempted to think that without these things, we are devoid of the means of worship, that we are hindered in our praise, that we are deprived of our freedom. No, say the pilgrims. No, say Abram and Joshua and Sarai and Samuel. No, says William Brewster, in whatever place and time in which you find yourself, then and there you can raise your Ebenezer. You can raise your heart and mind and soul and worship God and praise God and adore God for this long, strange journey and how we've come thus far. 
Ernest Gordon Chaplin at Princeton University in his book Through the Valley of the Kwai recounts his horrifying months on the Bataan Death March and the imprisonment for those who survived. Stripped as by locust of every shred of decency, they struggled to survive amidst rations barely enough to feed a baby. One of the prisoners, however, managed to hold on to a little soldier's New Testament and began to read passages out of that text and together they prayed and sang quietly and in the midst of having lost just about everything they began to feel a strength filling them and then would come the Lord's Supper and Gordon writes the elements were of our daily life rice baked in the form of bread and fermented rice water the solemn words of the prayer book were repeated we broke the bread as it, would, as it was passed to us then passed to our neighbor the elements returned to the table a prayer of thanksgiving said, a hymn sung, a blessing given, we slipped quietly away into the singing silence of the night. You can worship anywhere. Well, Ernest Gordon and his desperate comrades struggled to survive in one part of the world, halfway across the globe in the heart of the Warsaw Jewish ghetto where the Nazis had cordoned off the Polish Jews, virtually starving them to death. There stood one Janusz Korczak, a Jewish educator and pediatrician who had made the young orphan children of the ghetto his personal charge. He saw it as his mission in the midst of the unspeakable cruelty of the world around them he made it his mission, those orphans, that they would have one person whom they could trust would never leave them. Repeatedly, he turned down offers for his own rescue. Korczak held on to his children all the way to the bitter end when they were loaded up on the train cars, including himself, never to be seen again. Every day, Korczak sought out reasons for the children to give thanks because to give thanks was to hold on to hope one prayer he taught them, thank you, merciful Lord, for the meadow and the bright sunsets, for the refreshing evening breeze after a hot day. Thank you, merciful Lord, for having arranged so wisely to provide flowers with fragrance, glowworms with glow, and stars that sparkle in the sky. Worship can take place anywhere. So maybe it helps us to make sense of one of the most nonsensical verses in the Bible where Luke tells us in the Acts of the Apostles about the confrontation Paul and his pilgrim companion Silas have with the powers that be in Philippi such that they get dragged before the court of the city. And here's how Luke records it. The crowd joined in attacking Paul and Silas and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods and they had given them a severe flogging and threw them into prison and ordered the jailers to keep them securely. And then comes this verse. About midnight, the prisoners in the other parts of the jail listened, and they heard Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God. 
Nothing about that verse makes sense unless you are aware of the discipline of the Ebenezer, unless you know of the freedom and the ability to pause and place and time and to raise your heart, your mind, your soul to God, unless you know that the journey of life, fraught as it may be, with danger, toils, and snares, injustice, tragedy, and COVID-19, the journey of life has still at its core the goodness of God and the hope of God's presence, that it's not been easy, but I'm here so far, so good. Which makes me think of the old man out in his yard planting a tree, and his next door neighbor leans over the fence and says, hey Jack, what are you planting over there? And Jack says, oh, I'm planting a, a peach tree. You know, I love peaches. And his neighbor says, well, well Jack, you, you just got a little seedling there. It's going to take a it's going to take a lot of years for that thing to produce any peaches, and no offense, but you're not going to be around, are you, to enjoy those peaches? Oh, I know, I don't plan to be around, says Jack. I suspect I'll be long gone, but, you know, I just love peaches. I'm just so thankful for them, and I sure love the idea that someone else is going to enjoy them someday. Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. So in this strange time when sanctuaries are empty and pews are bare, when so much of what we have come to assume has been for a time taken away and we worry what is to come and what does it leave us? What does it leave us? Well, it leaves us a lot. It leaves us to see so much of maybe what we hadn't seen before. Enough maybe to give us pause and to find a place, our, our kitchen, our den, our backyard, or the park down the road, or the quiet lap of the gulf tide, or the silent night as we lay in bed, to find that time, that place, and to raise up our hearts and our minds and our souls in worship and in praise, in gratitude and in hope, raise up our Ebenezer to join the old Jewish doctor and pray, thank you, merciful Lord for the beautiful meadow and the bright sunset, for the refreshing evening breeze, for having arranged so wisely to provide flowers with fragrance, glowworms with glow, and stars that sparkle in the sky. So far, so good.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.